Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there is so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there. And you're tired of the wellness fads, endless diets, and impossible standards that make you feel like nothing you do is ever enough. You're ready to tune into your mind and body and feel empowered around health. We're the Healing Trio, here to help you redesign your relationships with food, fitness, and yourself. I'm Elizabeth, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. I'm Maria, licensed mental health therapist. And I'm Tara, personal trainer. Together, we're changing the narrative on health away from diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity and towards healthful self-care. So grab your water bottle, get ready to laugh, learn, and grow. And and let's let's start rebranding your wellness journey. got a really important and free 10-day video series that I want to tell you about. It's called Informed, Diet Culture Truth Bombs You Need to Know Before Changing a Thing About Your Eating in January. Every year I see the same flashy and misleading diet culture marketing preying on people's insecurities as we head into the new year. I see well-meaning eaters falling into the same restrictive food traps again and again, jumping into programs and approaches that not only don't solve, but actually worsen their eating struggles and relationship with food in their bodies. And I think, if only they could know some key facts about dieting, food restriction, and what is and isn't likely to work when it comes to supporting their eating, health, and well-being before committing to a single change. Well, now you can. In a 10-day series of short, I'm talking five minutes or less videos, I'll be pulling back the curtain on the most important information you need to know to make a fully informed decision about how to best approach your eating, health, and well-being in 2024. Just visit my Health and Healing with Intuitive Eating community on Facebook or send me an email at livehealthy at elizabethharrisnutrition to join. The link to my email will be in the show notes. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. We uh, have a juicy topic for you today, which is the wellness trends that we think we should leave behind in 2024. Think, I guess you could call them our outs for 2024. But before we dive into the episode, we have noticed that a lot of listeners to this podcast have not yet hit the follow or subscribe button. And it's so, so helpful. If you will do that, it allows us to get the podcast out to more people, which allows us to bring in better and better guests for you. And it just really helps the show out. It helps get this, you know, really important message out into the world. So please go ahead, hit the follow button on your podcast player, wherever you're listening right now. And let's jump into the episode. Girls, we Each came up with our trends, but we don't know what each other picked. So I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what what you guys have have come up with and to share mine. (laughs) And let's be clear that there there are good trends out out there and some that are not, right? We're going to focus on the ones that we don't support and we are going to call them BS trends. Yes. Thank you for highlighting that. Of course, there's positive trends too, but sometimes it can be tricky to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. My first one is actually one that is kind of tricky. Okay. So the one that I chose is the 12, 3, 30 treadmill workout. Have you guys heard of this? I have have not. not. I've heard of the Taylor Swift treadmill workout. (laughs) What? What is that? I haven't heard of that. I've not heard of that one. 
When Taylor Swift, I'll tell you quickly, in her Time Magazine of the Year, when she was named Person of the Year, she said the way she trains for the Eras Tour was by running on her treadmill and doing the entire set list, singing the entire set list while she ran. And so um, fast songs she ran and slow songs she walked. And apparently, you know, it takes like three and a half hours to do it. And I was reading articles that people were trying it and may not be safe for all exercisers out there to do that. So anyway, well, that sounds that one. one really impressive and two, like the least effective way to get the results that you want. <laughs> Why that? Uh, you don't need to like run or walk for three and a half hours to yeah. get your cardio in. Like if you were to do some like interval training, which that is kind of like really long version of interval training, but like quick intervals would probably get you really similar results. Mm, yeah. And obviously, you know, she's training for something very specific, almost like a professional yeah. athlete. Yes. And also that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate this. So, okay, but I digress. So tell us about your 12, 300, whatever. What was it? <laughs> it's the 12, 330 treadmill workout. So yeah. this is a workout that first came out in 2019, but it's just gotten more and more and more popular. Um, I see people doing it at the gym all the time where you take your treadmill up to an incline of 12, which is pretty freaking high. Most treadmills stop at like a 15% incline. Um, mm -hmm. So a 12% incline is pretty intense. Um, three miles per hour, which is normal walking pace for like most moderately fit people. And you do it for 30 minutes. So I said that this is one that I kind of love hate because for some people, that's great. Walking on an incline is actually one of my favorite ways to do cardio because you get the cardiovascular benefit of like really working hard, like a 12% incline is hard, but you get to do it without having to like run because so many people can't run because their knees feel yucky or they don't like it or whatever. Right. But this is not a great trend because it doesn't leave any room for individual differences. So if you do have like knee issues, eh, you know, maybe that long isn't going to work for you. You know, if you're recovering from any sort of illness, that will probably kill you. You know, there's just, it's not quite fit for everyone. So that's why it's a trend that I don't love for most people. Interesting. I've not heard of that one. Me neither. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It does I'll, like ironically, both of you guys would probably do really well with it. <laughs> <laughs> but not everybody would, which is why it's not a trend that I love. Safety and individualization often, so often get left out of the trends, right? Which is yeah, obviously important. And, and here's right. the thing, we have to be so careful. Who are you taking this advice from? One yeah. of my pet peeves with this social media is that now it seems like there's a very blurry line in between who are influencers and who are professionals, right? Just yes. because you have all these followers and you say something in my case about mental health doesn't make it, you know, based on evidence, right? It, it only took us like five years to be licensed mental health professionals. And then all of a sudden <laughs> somebody can say something on social media and, and sound like true, right? And again, like you were saying, just because it's true for you doesn't mean it's an evidence-based approach or strategy to something, right? Just because mm -hmm. it's, it was good for you. It doesn't work that way. So let's just be clear. Yeah, I find the same I'm thing with fitness and I'm Elizabeth, I'm sure you find the same thing with 
dietitians is there's influencers and then there's real professionals. Well, yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, for all of us, right, what the evidence-based kind of sound guidance isn't necessarily all that sexy and flashy. So it doesn't garner the same amount of attention. Mm-hmm. And the things that are sexy or may feel sexy and flashy may A, not be true, B, may not be helpful, and they may actually be unsafe. And a lot of people get really confused. And I'm sure we all share that frustration. All right, you guys want to hear my first one? Yeah. So my first one is juice cleanses, which I've been hearing a lot about lately. And they're usually after the kind of holiday season, seems like everyone wants to kind of like atone for their holiday eating and a lot of talk about juice cleanses. We hear about, oh, we need to, you know, detox our bodies or give our, you know, our insides a break. And bodies don't really work like that. I mean, our liver is detoxifying for us all day, every day, and our insides don't need a break. I mean, our digestive system, Hmm. I mean, sure, maybe in like an over, you know, when you're at sleep at night, it's doing different things, but, but our bodies are you know, designed to digest food and to detoxify. And a lot of times there, people are using them for weight loss purposes, but any weight that you lose in a juice cleanse is going to be mostly water. And it's going to set you up to be underfed and therefore to experience that rebound overeating as soon as you come off the juice cleanse. It's that same restrict binge pendulum that we talk, you know, I talk a lot with my clients about and we see in intuitive eating. It's just another version of setting you up for that. And kind of, uh, I guess, a two other points I would say about it. When you juice, there's nothing wrong necessarily with having some juice in your diet. But if that's your primary way of getting fruits and vegetables, you're stripping out the fiber, which is a really beneficial part of it. Fiber helps fill you up. And the irony is it also helps push the stool out of your colon. So if we're talking about, you know, trying to quote unquote, clean them out, fiber helps do that. And not having fiber doesn't. And also because it it can also lead to kind of constipation. (laughs) So it's just a little bit of irony involved in why it's promised and what it actually does. Yep. I love a fresh squeezed Mm -hmm. juice. Can't stand a juice cleanse. Yeah. Yeah. So this is so important, Elizabeth. I mean, two things. I don't think we even think of the risks of this. Like I had Mm -hmm. a friend who tried it and she fainted. I mean, the woman fainted and they had to you know, good thing she came back, but it was almost like a emergency room visit after trying one of these cleanses. And I don't know if this is related, but it made me think of the time I had a colonoscopy and I had to be mm-hmm. like on liquids for, I don't know. And I tried to keep myself fed as much as I could with good liquids like soup. So hard. Others. Listen, ladies, the way I felt you know, the night before going to the colonoscopy, I almost called 911. It was like, like my, a low of, of, I don't know, like a decompensation of my body that I was like, this is not good. Like this can't, we need the solid food in any shape or form. So I'm glad you brought that up because I, I'm thinking it's risky. Now question, what about uh, intermittent <laughs> fasting? That's yeah. another one that I found that I, it always, I, I mean, yeah, intermittent crazy. fasting. 
is still having a moment. We all fast every day when we go to bed at night. It gives our, our bodies a chance to sort of rest. And I don't love intermittent fasting. I think it can get very rigid. I My take on it is that it is pulling you away from your body's cues, which of course I'm all about trying to teach people yes. how to tune into their body's yeah. cues and trust them and listen to them. And the idea that we can only eat at in a certain window that's prescribed. I mean, that is so the exact opposite of intuitive eating. And, you know, a lot of the research on intermittent fasting is done in mice and rodents. So it doesn't necessarily translate to people. And for weight loss purposes, long-term, it has absolutely no different data than any of the other popular diets. Like, yes, you may lose weight in the short term, with intermittent fasting, but long-term, it is not an evidence-based way to lose weight and keep it off. Sometimes people talk about some other health benefits associated with intermittent fasting, but again, that research is early in its infancy, I think a lot of it, and not necessarily, we're still looking at it in humans. <laughs> and still another trend. Yeah. You saying that reminded me, I would love to invite people to sign up for um, a free five-day challenge that I have, Discover Intuitive Eating. If you want to know kind of the opposite of some of the, these nutrition trends we're talking about, please go ahead and sign that up. I'll put the link in the show notes and it will give you some advice for tuning into those hunger and fullness cues and some of the other concepts of intuitive eating. Love it. Okay, a BS trend that has to do with mental health, for example, is the several posts in social media, let's say, that I see um, five clues or um, three things for you to know if you have depression or five things that will tell you that you suffer from anxiety. Okay. So if it was that easy <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> diagnosing somebody would take just three things in your life. Well, first of all, we would all have it probably. And two, that's not how things work. We wouldn't do it in the medical field either. Nobody so you like nobody tells like three things to know that you have an ulcer or three things to know that you have prostate cancer. But we do it with mental health. There's so many variables that play a role in diagnosing that it can be put on a you know three-step formula or this very simple cookie cutter. It's so much more nuanced than just the three things or the five things. Of course. And human beings, we are complex individuals. It's not that easy. And even those disorders can show differently on different people. So please, when you see those posts, there are three things, and then you end up having the three things, and then you are there you are diagnosing yourself with a serious disorder or starting worrying that you have it based on no good um you know intake process or evaluation process at all and rarely you will see that from a trusted professional you know on their account saying you have depression if you have these three signs so let's just stay away from that like with anything not only mental health but again you wouldn't diagnose yourself with anything just because of three things nobody does that such an interesting one and here's the other thing Another one for me is everything now is a personality disorder. Is it just my feet or do you guys get all these videos to like 
if your mom was this way or your ex-husband was this way, he or she had narcissistic personality disorder. Do you hear the word narcissistic a lot lately? I do. It's like the, the trend word is that if somebody was mean to you or they didn't have remorse for things or they didn't have consideration for your emotions, then they are narcissistic. So and ironically, I, I just had someone talking to me about that yesterday. Um, but no, I don't see that in my feed, which is such a great example of how the algorithms push out the things that they think pertain to us or that we've somehow mm -hmm. expressed interest in. So obviously yours is mental health and you're seeing a lot more of that. But yeah, that means that anyone who's following along with mental health people or topics is likely seeing that. Oh, yeah. And I hear from my clients sometimes it's like, well, because my mom was this way. So I think she has narcissistic personality disorder. Well, let's let's really, you know, talk about what narcissistic personality disorder is, because it's not just those signs, but it's all over social media, specifically on that one. And let's be clear that there's 10 different personality disorders and they're not easily diagnosed. There's a whole process to diagnose this. So again, just because somebody says that narcissistic could look this way, doesn't mean that if somebody in your family or around you look that way or behaves that way, they have the disorder, right? So very careful with not only diagnosing ourselves, but diagnosing everyone around us because of a post on social mm -hmm. media, right? We have to mm -hmm. be careful with that. Yeah, that's a great one. Tara, what do you got next? Oh, I have so many. It's hard to choose. Um, <laughs> I think I will go with using steroids and then claiming that it's just hard work. I see this a lot in my feed, which I kind of doubt you guys do because like we talked about, we all followed different things and the algorithm feeds us different things. But every single day I see people that I either know for a fact are taking ergogenic aids or I'm pretty confident just because of looking at them with a trained eye and then having them say, oh, I just work hard in the gym and watch what I eat. And it's like, no way, dude. No, not a chance. <laughs> That's not how you're getting that physique. So I think that is a BS trend that we need to leave behind. Kind of related to that would be like Photoshopping your pics. You know, mm -hmm. like I feel like most people have insecurities and we might like you know, smooth out some lines or add some curves or take away some curves or whatever. And it puts this like image out there that's not realistic. So then when we have people that don't look like that viewing it, it elicits all sorts of emotions, right? So whether you're Photoshopping or whether you're using steroids and ergogenic aids, it kind of elicits the same thing. Like, man, let's just be truthful about who we are and what we're doing. Also, it's idealizing bodies, right? I mean, it's contributing to that quote unquote, I ideal body that we all need mm -hmm. to aspire to. And it, it a little bit reminds me what you're saying, Tara, of the whole conversation around like all, all the, the judgments and sort of snarky comments about, well, are people losing weight with or without Ozempic and mm -hmm. the judgments that go, like, I, I don't like any of that. I think people have complete body autonomy and they're certainly, you know, some, some people are taking it for diabetes. It's naturally, you know, resulting in weight loss. Others are choosing to do it for weight loss and that is their personal choice. And 
I, I just don't like any of that, that snarkiness uh, around it or, you know, like, well, they're not putting in the yeah. effort or the, or the hard work or they're somehow cheating. And, you know, given, given what we know about genetics and body diversity and the ineffectiveness of diets, and we know it's not just a matter of eat less, move more, and everybody will lose weight. So I, I just, I hate all the, the, the judgments that are getting attached to that all around. You know what? That actually goes along with another one of my trends to leave, which is acting like being stronger or leaner makes you better than everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, I see that a lot in my feed too, where it's like, oh, the true flex is having a healthy body and a strong body, a lean body, because you can't buy that. Right. That's like the premise is, mm -hmm. oh, anybody can mm -hmm. buy a Lamborghini or a big house or whatever, but you have to work for your body. So those of us that fit the mold are better than those who don't. And that's a trend I would love to see leave in 2024. Super toxic. Well, Very it's, much. It's the value that we put as a society is, is, a, is, is a trend in society. The value that we put as how we should look like, mm -hmm. right? In terms of mm -hmm. weight and fitness and even with mental health, you should you should behave or your mental health should look a different way for you to have value. Otherwise, you're like, oh, this person who is sick or this person who's um, not in shape based on these standards that, you know, we've carried on as a society, which change, we know, because long time ago was a whole different story. It depends on what the trend is. And then we follow that without much critical thinking or knowing that it's not most people right that are going to look that way and that doesn't mean like we've said here before that doesn't um, equal health but yeah I would like to get rid of all that too so my next one is something we have not talked about on the podcast at all before and it is IV vitamin infusions and I just want to put out a big caution around that I read a statistic that the med spa industry is now valued at $15 billion. I think it's such a great example of the intersection between wellness culture and diet culture. And, you know, a lot of these, and I'm not bashing all med spas by any means, please don't take it that way, but they're offering injections for IV vitamin infusions or chemical compounds that are supposed to melt fat away or boost your energy. And I guess my response to that is in the melting fat away, like, let's just give it the sniff test. <laughs> like, does that with any of these trends, right? Does it feel right? Mm -hmm. Is there evidence in other places that that's a real thing for energy? Food is our best source of energy. So how about we just promote eating? And I, a lot of yeah. med spas <laughs> are not well regulated. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them are not well regulated. There may be unlicensed workers. The FDA has reported a rise in drug resistant infections and skin deformities. I actually read a fascinating article about it directly stemming from these infusions that people are getting um, in, you know, not not safe places, not safe ways. And then also from a from a vitamin perspective is if it's the IV vitamin infusions, 
I think a lot, well, first of all, certain vitamins are toxic in higher amounts, right? And if you don't know what your baseline is, if you don't know if you were deficient you just, or, or what they put in it, you just need to be really, really careful about that. And, and, you know, not only are they toxic, but they can be fatal in certain amounts and it's unlikely to happen from food, but it can so much more easily happen through supplementation, certainly those infusions. And then also, I think people maybe don't know that there's, there's nutrient to nutrient interactions, which is why I'm really, there's a place for supplements if people are deficient and we know that, but in general, I'm a food first dietitian kind of dietitian. Um, because I think people don't know that supplements aren't very well regulated and also, they interact. So we say some don't play well in the schoolyard. You may, you know, like calcium um, inhibits iron absorption. Folic acid can inhibit zinc absorption. There's interactions that if you're just going out and getting, you know, a cocktail of vitamins, you don't necessarily know the impact that's having in your body. Wow. Yeah, 100%. I actually want to add to this, Elizabeth, that another one of mine is um, promoting the detox diets and supplements all over social media. And I get super salty because every day I probably have like 10 different supplement companies reach out to me and say, oh, we've looked at your profile and you'd be perfect for this. And I'm like, if you looked at my profile, you would know that I am not perfect for this. And also please stop doing what you're doing because having just random people shill supplements is a terrible recipe for disaster. It's a total aside, but it's like the the people that keep emailing us and pitching us to be on our podcast. And they're like, they have the, you know, the fat burning secret and the whatever. I'm like, do you, have you listened to any single episode before you reached out to us? Just I'm saying. sure they have. Yes. You gotta know your audience. Yes. I'm going to share my takeaway from this is how important is to really, you are the first one advocating for your health and your wellness. There can be all these people talking about these amazing things you should try, but at the end, please trust yourself more than you trust other people. You know what might feel right, what's not, and do your research. Ask around before you before you put anything inside your body or you start believing something about yourself or you start thinking that you meet the criteria for a specific diagnosis or any of that, please do your part because at the end, the person that is going to, again, advocate the most for you is going to be yourself. That's my takeaway. There's always going to be conflicting info out there. That's why we came up with a podcast like this to try to clear the noise a little bit. I don't even know if that's the expression, but, you know, take away the noise a little so please, please, please take care of yourselves and don't believe everything you hear. Well, and also I would add to that, um, consult with your medical team, mm -hmm. your personal team yes. of healthcare professionals is an awesome first resource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's weird that we've forgotten that over the years. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thank you guys for joining us on this episode of Wellness Rebranded. Um, if you are loving the podcast, we would be super grateful if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcast or a rating. Um, it just help us helps us spread the Wellness Rebranded word to the world. And we'll catch you next time. 
Thank you for listening. If you want to connect with me outside of this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at coaching underscore therapist. I'm Elizabeth. You can find me at Elizabeth Harris Nutrition or in my Facebook group, Health and Healing with Intuitive Eating. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Tara DeLeon Fitness. Guys, if you loved this episode or any of our other episodes, we would love it if you would leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It really, really helps us get the non-diet word out to the rest of the world. So please leave us a review. Yes, thank you.